Hi, I'm Tim Barron, and welcome to the Legal Marketing 2.0 podcast, where we examine the latest trends in digital marketing. The podcast is a production of Good to Be Social. I am very excited to have Ivy Gray on the show today. Uh, we talk about using social media and content to build relationships. I've known Ivy for a couple of years now and watched her on the channels and on blogs and at trade shows. She does a remarkable job using these channels and avenues to build meaningful relationships. Ivy's a lawyer and writer, and she's the author of American Legal Style for Perfected, which is a proofreading and editing software for lawyers. And she's also the senior attorney at Griffin Hammersky. Ivy has been named a rising star in the New York metro area for four consecutive years. And if you're hesitant at all about getting on social and wondering how to use it, along with writing, to build the kind of relationships you want professionally, you'll get a lot out of this conversation with Ivy Gray. Hi, Ivy, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me. It's great to speak with you. I mean, I've been wanting to talk to you for a while now, specifically about using social media and content to build relationships. And even beyond that, going to uh, events and trade shows as, as we've both done and enhancing those relationships. And man, I've just, I've observed you and I've just seen you engage and I've seen you grow in that, uh, using social media in that way. But before we get to that, tell us about what you do in your law practice and your journey to legal tech. So I am a corporate bankruptcy attorney at a small bankruptcy boutique in New York. And there are four of us in the firm. My role is very flexible and I'm quite fortunate that I get to pick and choose when and how I work and the depth of my involvement. And that flexibility allows me to actually continue to work in legal tech. So what we do at my firm is, as I said, corporate bankruptcy, but that really means different things to different people. So it has some elements of restructuring, distressed M&A, and then there's always some litigation that's involved. And I'm involved in all of those things. So I'm a hybrid of a transactional lawyer and a litigator, which is something that you don't see a lot. And I've been doing this for about 10 years. And how I got into legal tech was really also through bankruptcy work in that I did my LLM in corporate bankruptcy at St. John's and I was finishing up my LLM dissertation. And during this time, I was friends with Daniel. Daniel is the founder and CEO of Intelligent Editing, which makes Perfected. And I met Daniel through dancing. I understand this is circuitous, but it does have a point. So Daniel had been mentioning his program to me for a long time. And he says, you know, lawyers write, they should really be using Perfected. And I said, yeah, 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 I'm perfect. I don't need this. And he kept convincing me or kept trying to convince me to try it. And I kept ignoring him. And I finally finished my LLM dissertation. And he said to me, well, why don't you run Perfected on that? I bet you have some errors. And I said, of course not. I'm perfect. And he said, well, I bet you a bottle of your favorite scotch that you'll find errors. And I was so confident that there would be no errors that I said, you're on. Well, guess who won that bet? Daniel. <laughs> and 
Because I can't leave well enough alone, my response to losing wasn't just to walk away in shame, but to pivot and say, you know, this program is great, but it could be so much better for lawyers because we use words differently than how other people use words. And I think that this could be really powerful if we made some small tweaks to make it better for lawyers. And Daniel said, oh, really? Well, then why don't you join me and build it? And that's really how I got involved. That is one of the best stories I've heard about getting involved in legal tech. I'm, you know, I've met folks on the dance floor too, but I'll spare our listeners any of those stories. But that's great. That's a great, that's a great story. And I know there's a, a Scotch connection because we were just at the ABA Tech Show together and you had scotch and uh, donuts, if I remember. Yes. Right. And that was amazingly yummy. That was not a combination that I would ordinarily uh, seek out or think would be great, but it worked. <laughs> definitely. And it, it definitely, it shows our personality. And I think that one of the key things when you're putting yourself out there is to be true to who you are and to really demonstrate aspects of your humanity and your personality. It gives people a reason to want to get to know you and it allows the relationships to be deeper. I can agree more, Ivy. I mean, even with that, with that social engagement that you have in person around donuts or um, scotch, and you, got, you both of you are known for that, at the ABA Tech Show, two years in a row, you've done that. People tweet out about it. It's, a, it's just a way to get to know people. But switching over to online, I, I've seen you start to get engaged on Twitter. Now, as someone who is part of a legal tech company and also has her own practice, how did you balance that? How did you start to get involved in social media, Twitter, and specifically Twitter, because it's such a public forum, and figure out what to be in that space? In participating on Twitter, I participate as me. And I am not a generic company logo. I am myself, and all aspects of who I am are there and available on Twitter. So you see that I am a senior attorney at Griffin Hermersky, and you also in my profile see that I am the creator of American Legal Style for Perfected. And when I go out into the Twitter world, I am cognizant that I am wearing both of those caps and that I must represent myself and the organizations that I'm associated with, with integrity. And so maybe I don't let it all hang out on Twitter, but I do have elements of my personality on display. That said, I focus my Twitter interactions mostly on legal tech. It is not part of my firm's platform at this point to really engage on social media. And so I, I don't want to misdirect or redirect the spotlight from our intentional strategic goals as a firm. So I mostly use it for legal tech instead. So that's, I think that's really important, especially on Twitter. I, I get this question a lot. Look, what am I going to be on Twitter? And just pick a couple of areas that you're really interested in or that you're passionate about or that you're engaged in. Maybe if it's just legal tax, some people are really into legal aid organizations, access to justice. Pick something that you're passionate about, that you want to know more about, that you want to engage with other people around that topic. 
And I mean, you'll just see those relationships grow. But you're also, I think Daniel was very lucky when he met you because you're also an excellent writer. And I know that comes into play with with the work that you do, specifically around legal tech. What role does writing and content play with social media in building relationships? So I think of it in two ways. Twitter is the way that you engage in quick bursts of activity, and it's more of a of banter. It's not long, thoughtful conversations because you are constrained by the character limit, which is good. And then developing content is how you get your full thoughts out there, and it can be more nuanced. So when you create a nuanced piece, again, it has to be thoughtful yet short so that people will get through it. You can put that out there on Twitter and then select parts of it to promote and drive engagement. And one of the things that I like to do when I'm developing my content is I like to bring other people in. And so I'm always looking for other articles that have been written on the topic, people who have had really interesting thoughts that have informed the what I'm putting out there in my content. And I make sure to give them credit for it, engage with them on Twitter, tag them, etc. And then I'm also looking to see what other people are doing, what other people are saying, and what other people are building. And I refer to those things when I'm developing my content so that it is more well-rounded and substantive when I'm putting my thoughts out there into the world. If I were to limit myself and only talk about creating perfect it, then it would be a lot less interesting, a lot less engaging, and I would have limited reach and limited engagement. So I try to make sure that I bring other people in. There are other companies out there that are in the legal writing space that others may see as competitors, but we see them as complementary. And so when I write about legal writing, I make sure that I include them too. And that's really helped to build relationships on Twitter. And it's also helped to make my writing seem more complete. And I I think it's really important to have that approach. Absolutely. Actually, one of the things that you pointed to talking about other people in your content and then in the things that you write, and then when you post it on social media and in particular Twitter, you are certainly on LinkedIn, you can mention them in those. And that's how you build. Uh, Kevin O'Keefe is huge on this. He talks about content as, as relationship. It's a relationship. It's a conversation. And he's absolutely right about that. I really like that take on it. One of the things that we talk a lot about, and I get this question a lot, is when I'm on Twitter or when I'm I'm on social media or when I'm writing, am I talking or am I promoting myself? Am I promoting the company? And I always answer both, right? It's, it's, It's a dual branding. Any company worth their salt wants someone who is part of that company to have that recognition also. And it builds trusts, and it also builds awareness, and it deepens relationships. How do you go about, or maybe you can talk a little bit about what dual branding means to you? Because I see you on on the channels, and people get to know Ivy. They also know Perfect It, but they, and, and sometimes they put the two together, but how, how has that played out for you? My key goal when engaging with people on Twitter is to have authentic engagement where I'm having conversations that I would want to have if I met you at a networking event or a bar or whatever 
in person. So I stay true to myself in terms of the types of conversations that I have and who I would have conversations with. Then beyond that, I am trying to focus on building trust in the interactions that I have. So I speak about what I know. I don't go out on a limb and speak about what I don't know. I do a lot of listening and watching and seeing what other people have said. And if I disagree with somebody before jumping out there, I check to see if they're an expert in the field first so that I don't end up effectively mansplaining something to somebody who is an expert on Twitter. There is no quicker way to lose credibility in the legal tech community than to speak about something that you don't know to somebody who is an expert. So I'm mindful of that. And then I make sure that I show that I am relatable and reliable. And in that, I show that I am a qualified person to be building the product that I am building. So when I demonstrate that I have experience as a lawyer in both transactional fields and litigation, I demonstrate that I am knowledgeable to create a legal writing product that works for lawyers in both areas of practice. And those things together really make me seem like a reputable source, and it makes my product seem like a reliable, trustworthy product. So I make sure to communicate those two things when I'm putting myself out on Twitter. Uh, that's, that's great advice. I totally hear you about mansplaining stuff. I see that happen too often. And I really feel that we have to know our area of expertise. We have to know our niche. And we, certainly we can weigh in on conversations. So for instance, every now and then I get emails, people asking me to write on, you know, what are trends in law or the future of law? And, you know, I'm not a law futurist. There are folks who are super smart, who do this, who look at all the data and they do that. And, and I tell them straight up, I said, look, I can't do this. The kind of writing that I do or the kind of speaking that I do is, is very sort of actionable. I want someone to come away with something that they can do today, not what's going to happen tomorrow. Now, that's very important also, but you'd sort of know your space. So if I weigh in on something that someone is putting out on Twitter or something someone is putting out in a, in a blog post or on a mag, in a magazine, I'm, you know, I'll weigh in on something that's maybe complimentary or asking a question but not, not weighing in as someone who knows this stuff because it's right away, it, it, it comes across as inauthentic. One of the things that really spoke to me at Legal Tech was there was a panel on mentoring for uh, people of color and women. And it, was, it, it really spoke to me so much. And there are many lessons that I got out of it. One of it was by Dan Lear. He was on the panel and he talked about informal mentoring. I go back and forth and struggle a bit with not just you know, looking for mentors o- over the course of my career and of my life, but also of mentoring and what responsibility goes along with that. And that includes marketing. That includes being on social media. That includes introductions. And one of the things that he talked about was this sort of informal mentoring, and it's still mentoring, but sometimes I think we get too bogged down in that. In your experience in being on social media and in writing, and in meeting people and in encouraging people. Um, Any thoughts on what that informal mentoring can be for anyone in that space looking for advice? Oh my goodness. I have definitely benefited from informal mentoring from you, Tim, from Catherine Sanders-Reach, from Bob Ambrosi, from Adriana Linares, and Casey Flaherty. You've all been people who have really 
helped to introduce me to people who matter, who have said, this is Ivy, she knows her stuff, she creates a great product. And those sorts of connections and casual endorsements really make a difference in who is willing to give me a chance and hear me out on what I'm going to say. Either that can be following me, resharing my articles, feeling confident in liking what I've written, or even just giving me the time to really read my article from beginning to end. Those sorts of informal mentoring and relationships can help to get you out there and give you credibility. You know, it doesn't need to be some sort of big thing and it doesn't need to be formal, uh, but it does need to be decisive and clear. And that can really help somebody get far. And it's definitely helped me. In return, I've tried to do that with other people. I'm not sure that I really have a leg to stand on since I am so new to social media within the legal tech space. And I am pretty new to legal tech. I've only been in it for three years. But I do see other women out there who are just entering the social media sphere with their products. And I try to make sure that I give a lot of props to them, give credit, circle back, include them. And when I'm referring to them or their product, I make sure that I tag them and that I'm not wishy-washy about saying that I think they're great. And I think that can really go a long way. I agree. I mean, you mentioned something just at the end there about seeking out women. And we need to remember to do that. We have these siloed relationships and the folks that we mentor, that we may make recommendations to, might continue to be the same people in our like really narrowly defined networks. So it's really encourage everyone that may be listening in terms of this informal mentoring to go outside of your network, discover folks who are not like you, encourage them, mentor them, introduce them to people. And like you said, Ivy, a simple thing like liking or retweeting a post, making an introduction, these are things that means so much to so many people. All right, so we're just about at the end of our episode today. This went by really fast, Ivy. Any it last, really did. <laughs> it really did. Any last bit of relationship building or marketing advice for lawyers and legal techies out there that's just starting out and wants to make an impact or a difference? My big piece of advice is to give first. Mention other people first like other people first, share their content first, promote other people first. And when you give first and give freely, then you are more likely to create deeper lasting relationships. And some of those people will give back, but even if they didn't, you feel good. And you've also promoted the community and what you want to see in the community. So give first. All right. So that's relationships 101. Give first, listen first, promote first. So thanks, Ivy. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much for having me, Tim. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. If you like this episode, please subscribe to our podcast. And we'd love it if you also left a review for us on Apple Podcast. We're also on Stitcher and SoundCloud and Google Play and wherever you listen to podcasts. Before you go, I want to ask you a question. Do you struggle with digital marketing and how to make it work for you and for your firm? If so, please go to lawfirmmarketinghelp.com and sign up for a free digital audit. The audit will provide you with all of the information you need to build a blueprint for your digital marketing strategy to produce the results you want. You'll find the show notes for this episode 
along with all of the Legal Marketing 2.0 episodes at goodtobesocial.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time.